a voice sweet like a butterfly, a tongue that stings like a honeybee, your sister love extraordinaire, a.k.a. Red Sonia the Song Bee. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sister Love Untethered and Under the Radar podcast, our slur cast, I like to call it. Well, today is going to be a solo cast. I am without my partner in crime, and that would be the Colleen Morgan. I just want to say we won't have the representation from across, across the pond, but Uh, Colleen, my sister, rest well, and we look forward to you joining us in the next week and very soon. In the meantime, with that being said, I'm going to do a check-in, pH, the peace and happiness, uh, P squared, and my pH for the week is a good solid four. Uh, A little darkness has been shed over uh, the week with the incidents of recent shootings and that we all have to uh, plow through and that would be the shooting death of Richard Brooks uh, in Atlanta more recently and uh, preceding the shooting death of George Floyd. So I want to lift up the families of the two and the communities and uh, the movement of Black Lives Matter, I'm more than happy to see global representation and finally people collectively uniting and taking a stand for for this cause. Because we know if everyone stands for the lives of Black people, clearly all lives there henceforth matter. But we have to deal with the most uh, crucial issue and the most oppressed peoples of the world. And so I think it's wonderful to see the people united and, and standing and representing, even when others dare to speak against it and want to shoot it down. You know, uh, I'm glad that, thank God for technology and cell phones with cameras. You have people now capturing the images and video taping other people who are there to be uh, the race police of the world and tell people where they can and can't be, what they can and cannot do, whether they can breathe breathe or not breathe, uh, whether they should be dancing on the street or not dancing. It's extreme. And so it's necessary to come together in unity and stand and shout and put it in the face of the world that Black Lives Matter. So with that being said, yeah, I'm, I'm a four. Uh, and lifting oneself up is constant. You know, you don't wait for others to do it. We have to do it ourselves. So my topic for the day, just with some thought, is when 
speaking your mind, when can you speak your mind? The things we can say and the things we can't say. Speaking your mind, is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? Who decides? Well, so when people attempt to hide speaking their mind, sometimes it comes off as pleasant racism. Sometimes, which means you have things like pleasant racism, pleasant homophobism, pleasant sexism. People say things that are subtle but blatant. It's kind of oxymoron. So an example of pleasant racism would be something that actually something that has existed probably uh, for hundreds of years, but even more so in the last 50, probably since the civil rights era and movement. There were things that people would hint, imply, or say in a way that seems subtle, but very the undercurrents of racism are there. That's pleasant racism. So it could be when someone that's familiar, unrelated, or unfamiliar, and they say something that is very intentionally and mildly racist, and in the guise of being deliberately clueless, or in a nice, scolding, and demeaning manner. It can happen on a job. It can happen in public. It can happen in a parking lot. All of a sudden, someone comes along and tells you what you can and can't do. Uh, That would be maybe not so pleasant was the barbecue Becky's. (laughs) And more recently in a neighborhood in San Francisco, a man who lives in his own neighborhood and happens to be a Filipino man who spray painted and colored on his wall on his property that he pays taxes he spray painted Black Lives Matter matters, and a woman, presumably that resides in that neighborhood, uh, a non-person of color, marched up to him, and scolded him, and and told him, threatened him that she would call the police. What are you doing here? You have no right to do this. Get out of here, basically. I'll call the police on you. Not knowing that the man is doing this on his own property and he has the right to do so. Well, nonetheless, this man was smart enough and wise enough to capture this woman looking like another barbecue Becky who's shouting at this man, telling him what he cannot do and how dare him and get out of here and so forth. Anyway, (laughs) so there's those pleasant statements and comments that people say in speaking their mind. Right or wrong, they're going to let you know and put you in your place. So then, of course, there are the things that people say that are blatant, that are in your face. Things that are stated, you know, in the media. Uh, social media, or just in real life, day to day, it could be a stranger, a political leader, journalists, media personalities, co-workers, and they may say things that are so blatant and blatantly offensive. We know that with number forty-five, who does it all the time. So, which means that when people speak their mind, 
there's always going to be some kind of controversy, right? Not everybody's going to like what you have to say when you speak your mind. You can speak your mind to one person or you can speak your mind and direct it to many individuals. If you're going to announce something and blast it in, in a, uh, with an audience, there's a risk. When you have a broad audience, you're always going to risk some people not being okay with what you have to say. And that's just the risk that comes with speaking your mind. So there is a Jamaican poet, writer, professor of creative writing, Kai Miller, professor at the University of Exeter, Exeter, I believe is pronounced in the United Kingdom. Uh, Colleen was here. She could correct that for me. But anyway, uh, and Professor Miller talks about what are the important things that we can't say. He asks the question, why can't we say them? They're important, but why can't we say them? And if we say them, what do we risk? And in the case that it deals with race, does race get in the way of the important things that we can and can't say? Well, sure it does. Sure it does. Those, the things that we want to say and can't say are, are as Miller would question, are, do those things cause us to be polite and withdrawn? And I think those, that question really addresses people of color who are in circumstances and situations that they're uncomfortable and feel that they cannot be themselves and cannot say what's on their mind. And it's all about what other people think and acceptance. So Kai Miller says, what's the difference if we're afraid of putting out that there might be a useful and productive discomfort, but we're so afraid that to the point that we just remain silent. Very compelling and interesting. So, is it okay to speak your mind and when is it not? Well, let's take a look at that. I think the drama doesn't stop there. It's all a matter of opinion. So we have uh, the world of public figures. We have the world of entertainers. Entertainers being everything from actors to musical performances to sports entertainment. And then we have the public commentary. We have journalists and writers. We have authors. We have television news talk shows and hosts. And then we have the people that we work with. We have our neighbors. We have the people that we know uh, because we visit public places such as stores and shops that we know casually. And then we have 
the people in our lives on personal and more intimate levels. Everybody speaking their mind. Now, (laughs) clearly there is, maybe there is a right way and a wrong way, but more importantly, perhaps it's timing. Time appropriate and place appropriate. But when you look at the words of public figures who constantly rattle the sensitivity gauge of the social culture, there will be consequences, backlashes, and repercussions. It's going to come from somewhere, maybe not their base, but it's coming. But this also opens the conversation on provoking thoughts around what people say and distinguishable by occupation and context. How appropriate is it? Well, let's take a look. So if you recall, going down, let's go down memory lane to The Apprentice. Days of The Apprentice, when Donald Trump began tweeting, that was in 2009. At the time that The Apprentice ratings began falling and Trump filed bankruptcy, yet one of many, he began tweeting. By the time, uh, two years later, he had uh, coined, his Twitter account was at the real Donald Trump. He began his attack, his infamous attacks on public figures. And of course, which included Obama amongst many people, and he still does it today. But one of the things that stood out to me at that time, he targeted Rosie O'Donnell in 2011, and it was horrible. I I recall, not exactly, I don't recall exactly what it was that Rosie said, but I believe that she uh, got on some show and began making it very apparent that she was not a friend of Donald Trump. And for some reason, he went on a furious attack uh, with on about Rosie O'Donnell. And he used names and adjectives and descriptive words that she was, you know, how sad and dumb and a loser and how, you know, she was weak and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> he went on a tirade about Obama and, you know, but that's never stopped, you know, and uh, the whole birther incident. Uh, but speaking on his attack on, uh, on uh, Rosie O'Donnell, it was, it was, uh, just shameful. It was so shameful. And that feud went on uh, for years, actually. I think it went on for about another five years or so. And so their feud is historical. At some point, Rosie retreated. She just backed off. But let's take a look at the timeline of this uh, historical (laughs) feud. 
So it began, I believe, in 2006 when Trump decided not to fire the Miss, Tar- Miss America and Miss USA, uh, my correction anyway, uh, the Miss US- USA pageant, as you know, Trump is a co-owner of it. And some re- uh, revelations came out about her uh, regarding drug use and drinking and amongst sexual activities. Well, it got out. So Trump decided to announced that he was going to give her a second chance. He believed in second chances, etc. So he kept her on and she was allowed to keep her crown. So she was crowned as Miss USA. Rosie, who at the time was a co-host on The View, criticized Trump for his decision. And uh, she said that she didn't enjoy him. And she announced that he was someone who had filed bankruptcy and that he continues to deny it. And she said that furthermore, that he was not a self-made man or, you know, as he touted everywhere to be, that he was basically a fake. Uh, it was, she didn't say that blatantly, but she did call him a snake oils, oil salesman <laughs> on a little house on a prairie. Uh, of course, uh, besides the multiple wives that he's had and left a trail of you know, destruction. So of course he didn't like it. He fired back. He went to people magazine. He went on to call her a loser and a woman out of control. Uh, and I believe it, uh, escalated in 2007 on the view. Uh, and I think at the time that's when, uh, Rosie decided to leave the show after having a heated spat with Elizabeth Hasselhoff. Remember, the the uh, uh, reported conservative and Republican who would uh, dispute any right or wrong Republican. She's going to dispute that. But anyway, so by 2011, when Rosie announced that she was getting married, Donald, Donald or DT took to his Twitter account, real Donald, at real Donald Trump, and tweeted, I feel sorry for Rosie's new partner in love, whose parents are devastated at the thought of their daughter being with at Rosie, a true loser. So, of course, Rosie responded in calling him an ass. And uh, one, is she goes, wow, you're an ass in every way. So this, of course, went on. Uh, so th- it went on through 2012, 2014, uh, <laughs> 2015, 16, 17, and guess what? 2020. So when speaking your mind goes left, you could say. So Rosie hasn't really shut up about her feelings or opinions. I mean, she's just not as... Um, outspoken and feel the need to speak up about him all the time, but she still has her feelings. And apparently in 2020, I believe as recent as April, she has definitely commented on Trump antics. So this is something that as a political leader, the main political leader of the free, allegedly free speech world that certainly uses his platform 
to denounce, to slam, and to say whatever he feels about anyone and everyone. That includes even people who have formerly been loyalist and worked in his administration. So things you can say, speak in your mind, the right and the wrong way. Does Trump go about it the right way? What do you think? Again, who is the, the, the police of free speech? Of course, there's a right way and a wrong way, and there's a right time and a bad time, and maybe that's what it all boils down to. And who's your audience, right? So in, in the place of uh, what people say, distinguished by occupation and context, is irrelevant? I think so, very. On the other hand, in 2020, we have the cancel culture, who I believe their whole position is that there's no context and relevance. It's all the same. There's things that's politically correct and politically incorrect, and there's no in-between. So let's take a look at Dave Chappelle's show in 2003, which ran for three seasons. He had a segment that I really loved. <laughs> well, it was funny. First of all, I love Dave Chappelle. And the segment was called When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. This was all about funny skits that mimicked life circumstances, particularly uh, when a black person who does the work to advance their life, to go upward and attempt to live normally as anybody else, but suddenly they are hit either mildly or blatantly with the uh, someone else speaking their mind, right? Or what we call as the pleasant racism. <laughs> so in that show, uh, the he being the black character usually is provoked by that pleasant racism. And how do you respond? How do you deal with the dilemma or the challenge? This is something that people of color, particularly black people in America, has always have to face, been faced with. But there was a time you couldn't say anything. You had to take the slander. You had to take the insults. You had to take and accept being demeaning. So Dave Chappelle, who's brilliant, takes these circumstances in today's society and puts it right there in your face <laughs> and it makes it humorous. So in his uh, keeping it real, he could either respond as a status quo and stay or stay true to oneself by keeping it real. So for the character that Dave plays, often the response is unpredicted. It can, it's either going to be unpredicted hostility or based on a, a stereotype of black people from the inner city who wish for the conflict, just try me. Or, or the, he could do the opposite, which is, you know, just be humble, swallow it, and pretend it didn't happen. But usually Dave Chappelle takes the 
the the road of jumping that ass <laughs> by keeping it real. And it makes it funny. It makes it uh, tremendously funny. There's a role that uh, in keeping it real where Dave is in an office setting and they're at a, a meeting in a conference room. He's the only African-American person present at the table. And a colleague next to him does something and he goes, hey, Dave, give me a high five. How about some skin? And all of a sudden, Dave just jumps out of character of his conservatism and just all of a sudden goes street. Man, what's your problem? Don't be talking to me like that. You out your damn mind. And he goes all the way there. But it's hilarious. Now, Dave Chappelle can do these things. And is it because he could put it in our face and because he's presenting it in a form of entertainment. And so as a comedian, he is presenting life to us in a way that mocks our behavior and we have to make fun of it. But on the other hand, you know, it's, it's, well, it's, it's funny. First of all, it's just funny. So, so it's, it, what he's representing is the stereotype of black people who have a hard time uh, maintaining civility when really under the collar, they're hot-headed hoodlums or, you know, whatever, and and then insulted when anyone tries to relate to them on that level or use slang, black slang or whatever. So that's that was Dave's role. Now, in 2019, and I believe he came out in August, he did a stand-up show uh, that was on Netflix, and it was called or titled Sticks and Stones, a comedy special, another brilliant show uh, that Dave gave us. And he takes what's real in life and puts it together in a platform and stage to present where maybe socially we got it twisted, you know, and he's just mimicking and presenting how ridiculous sometimes things are in society. So in the show, the topic are pretty much their factual topics and where his logic and opinion is wrapped and delivered through comedy in the style of keeping it real. He particularly addresses sticks and stone. He addresses the cancel culture and the cancel culture. If you don't know, are the uh, trend or group of, you could say social police that uh, are alleged to be super sensitive and they pressure comedians to eliminate uh, or avoid making comments or certain jokes or commentary on social issues or politics. If you recall, Kevin Hart was one of those people. He, uh, he basically missed his opportunity to be the host of the Oscar uh, Awards, I believe it was, was it 2019 or 2020? I think it was last year. Uh, because he made a joke over 10 or 12 years ago about his son uh, better not be gay. <laughs> and, you know, he's talking about his son who's probably at the time maybe seven years old. 
But anyway, because he said that, even in comedic context, the cancel culture took extreme that this was not okay and we need to just, you know, bombard you and cancel your brand. And that's pretty much what the cancel culture is all about. And for them, no, it their context and your profession does not give you an excuse or a pass to say or have an opinion or make fun of things that should be sensitive and off limits. Now, do you think that there's an extreme to some of this? That there's no such thing as ever being able to keep it real? Whether you're performing or not, whether you're a comedian or not, whether you're a politician or not. Come on, people, there are, there are lines. There's really no gray areas here. I think it's cut and dry. If you're a performer and you're a comedian, there used to be a guy named Andrew Dice Clay, New Yorker, New Yorker, who was totally came off like, you know, the, the, the Goomba, uh, I want to say, uh, what do they call it? A typical Italian thug, you know, classless dude. They just said whatever. And he that's he approached his comedy in that way. Did I like him? Eh, I watched him sometimes because he was funny. But did I feel insulted sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes I felt his comedy was tasteless. But you know what? I don't have to watch him. And guess what? We don't hear of Andrew Dice Clay anymore too much. There's not a whole lot of Andrew Dice Clays right now. And maybe it's because, you know, this trend pre-cancel cancel culture, not cancer, but cancel culture was probably active. Actually, pre-cancel culture was the PC movement. And everything Andrew Dice Clay did was not politically correct. So with the cancel culture, it means that your commentaries on uh Social issues and sensitive topics just needs to be buried, not said. Otherwise, we will destroy your brand, we'll ostracize you from society, and we'll do everything to attempt to shut down your bottom line. Enough said. All right? (laughs) So, but anyway... So I just want to talk about, you know, a little more about speaking your truth. I think that there is a place, a time, and a profession, you know, and an audience for it. And, you know, you're doing something comedically. It is an an art form. It's based in humor. All humor is not the same. There's uh, all types of humor and all types of comedy. But in a political arena... You know, you say something, yeah, there's definitely a prize for it. There's a a journalist for The Independent named Janet Murray, and she writes, Speaking Your Truth has become very popular among female entrepreneurs. However, bad for business. I thought that was interesting that she would make that comment. Anyway, Murray goes on to quote a novelist, uh, Iris Murdoch. Civilization is based on not saying what you think. And when you're in business, knowing when to say when to stay quiet, 
can just be as important as having your say. Well, to me, that sounds like when to stay quiet, she's a, is she talking to women? Is it different for women as it is opposed to men? Of course it is. Wouldn't that be sexism? Sexist? You know, again, when a woman speaks up and she's a woman of power, uh, she's a bitch or a biatch versus when a man commands and speaks up. Well, to me, he's a twit, a jerk, an ass. Okay? So there's no sex appropriate uh, thing, you know, when you're uh, speaking your mind and when it's all about what's appropriate, when it's appropriate, and uh, who's your audience. It shouldn't be different for any gender compared to another one. Anyway, so one of the, so she goes on to address, and this is the the novelist Irish Murdoch. She goes on to say that the problem is that many female and business owners seem to be confusing about speaking your truth with being downright rude and hurting themselves in the process. They're also busy speaking. They're so busy speaking their truth that they're forgetting that they're running a business, which relies on reputation and word of mouth. Now, again, you know, this is like, uh, you know, a woman that is coming from an extreme conservative perspective that a woman's place is almost what in the kitchen, in the bedroom to me, it sounds like that. So no, I don't, do I agree with her? Not at all. To me, those are the people that, you know, uh, you're living somewhere back in the past and never was America that great then, you know, especially when you have loads of people who didn't fit the mainstream being silenced and, and oppressed. And that includes women. So, again, to me, it, you have to you speak up and speak your mind because you need to break the mold and not be stereotyped into some docile existence. Okay. That's why I really applaud Black Lives Matters because there's a time to speak up and be loud, be loud. And if you're a comedian, be louder and be funny. Speak your truth, speak your mind. So when it comes to men and women, that speak their mind, you know, again, I don't believe that it should be different from one person to the next. So you've got people that are known to speak their truth, such as Ariana Huffington. I like her. You've got Oprah Winfrey. And these are women who allegedly spent years to get their voices heard. And now they're big advocates of speaking your truth. Uh, Ariana Huffington, Huffington couldn't be in the field of journalism and and somewhat politics if she could not speak her truth. Uh, look at Nancy Pelosi. I think it was uh, just a couple of months ago. She called uh, number 45 morbidly obese. Touche, Nancy. 
I thought that was funny and hilarious, and I applaud her for saying it, because clearly he's known for insults, isn't he? But of course, you know, there were uh, the other side, the voices of who cares, that criticize Nancy for fat shaming and being fatophobic. That's people that's looking real deep and hard to be a critic. They don't need much. They're, those are the people that are trying to make something out of nothing. What's that uh, little uh, nursery rhyme, you know, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents? <laughs> those are the little Sally Walthers. But touche for Nancy. And then there are other uh, performers and people that speak their truth, uh, you know, from politics to entertainment. We have uh, Miley Cyrus. Will Ferrell, Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, always speaking her truth on Twitter, her and Snoop, Ellen DeGeneres, Al Sharpton, uh, who really speaks a whole lot of truth, right? And then there's comedians Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle, and that's just to name a few, only a few. So I thought it was interesting to, uh, on Google, (laughs) they had a little post on five ways to speak your mind. These are tips on Google. And it says, though some people don't speak their minds at all, others need to learn how to speak up. So if you're shy and having a difficult time speaking your mind, you want to start off small. On the other hand, if you're always speaking your mind, always stirring the pot, Uh, never being considerate, you know what? Shut up for a change. Just listen and observe. Maybe no one wants to hear you. So starting off uh, before speaking, be aware of your surroundings, who your audience is. Be calm, be impartial to ridicule when you get feedback, as long as it's constructive criticism, but also recognize who's giving it. Be tactful when speaking your mind. Just know when it's not appropriate to do so. But if you need to build courage, join a group that's of like-minded people. There may not always be agreements, but be in a group that, that's a little balancing and willing to listen to what you have to say. Another way to do it is to do it in writing. Speak your truth. You can do it being creatively, you could do it in an opinionated way, but it's an alternative to speaking. The bottom line is just think before you speak and know when to. If it means risking something of importance, such as a job or a relationship, just be prepared to accept the consequences. At the same time, don't let your ego cost you everything. Keeping it real and speaking your mind can be freeing. Remember, if you say it, own it. And then keep it moving. With that being said, it is time for our Shiro. Maya Wiley, an American civil rights activist. She served as board chair of the New York City Civilian Complaint Review Board, an independent police oversight agency. 
She worked for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, the American Civil Liberties Union, and the Open Society Institute. She is founder of the Center for Social Inclusion. Wiley served as counsel to the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, and is currently the Senior Vice President for Social Justice at the New School and the Henry Cohen Professor of Urban Policy and Management. Often seen as a legal analyst on MSNBC, Wiley Foremost is dedicated to dismantling structural racism in America. Sister Love, Untethered and Under the Radar, recognizes Maya Wiley, a Shiro for her leadership, courage, and for having a never-give-up spirit. Well, that's our show for today. I'm going to leave you with this, I believe. This, I believe, opinions are like buttholes. Everyone has one. This, I believe, how can you know the smell of flowers without knowing the smell of crap? This, I believe, social media is like a pharmaceutical drug with side effects. Prolonged use may cause headaches, dizziness, loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, dry mouth, sweating, hot flashes, seizures, and some may become suicidal. This, I believe, a bully is nothing more than a weak fool who has only mastered ignorance. And that, I believe. Well, y'all, that's it for my show. Thanks for listening. And be sure to give us a like, follow us, and share. Until next time, peace.